go ahead and pull out your message notes. I want to dive into today's message. You can find them through the paper handouts or you can go to the app, uh, whichever way you choose to do that. And as you're doing that, I heard a story about four Catholic ladies who were each bragging about their sons to each other. And the first lady was bragging to the other lady saying, you know, my son is a priest. And uh, when he walks into the room, everybody calls him father. Well, the second lady, she says, well, my son, he's a bishop. When he walks into the room, everybody calls him your grace. Well, the third lady says, well, my son's a cardinal. And when he walks into the room, everybody calls him your eminence. Well, the fourth lady, she says, well, my son is six foot three. He's got broad shoulders. He's really good looking, and he dresses pristinely. And when he walks into the room, all the ladies say, oh, my God. (laughs) We're in our Relationship Goals series, and today we're talking about three qualities you need before marriage. And so I'm going to be talking to uh, not only uh, the, the, the married people, but I'm talking to single people today or those who are dating as well. Uh, the first week we talked about back to the basics. If you missed it, I want to encourage you to go back uh, and listen to it or watch it on YouTube. And then last week, uh, I hope you walked away with some decisions that we make in relationships uh, that each and every one get to choose to make, and uh, they're, they're very, very important. If you missed it, go back and watch it. I would encourage you to catch up on it. Uh, today, we're talking about the qualities you need before marriage. Everybody say before marriage. So before marriage, these are qualities that I have to build and focus on while I'm single. Now, married people don't check out because if you didn't build them while you're single, you need to build them while you're married. You don't just to get to default and say, well, I didn't have them. No, now we've got to develop them and cultivate them if we're going to have a healthy, life-giving marriage. Now, before I go into the three qualities, I do want to specifically talk to those of you who are dating. You're not married yet, but you're dating someone, and uh, maybe you've been dating for a long time. Maybe you just started dating someone. I want to make sure you understand and realize a very simple but powerful truth. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. You cannot marry the right person if you're dating the wrong person. And I know in relationships, sometimes the default can be, well, I'd rather somebody than nobody. Right? At least I don't want to be alone. In fact, there's a saying, time in erodes awareness of. The longer you're with that person the less they look like the wrong person. You ever dated somebody or went on a date and the first date you're like, this person's trouble. Probably this is not marriage material, the person I'm dating. And then you keep going out with them and going out with them and after a while you're like, well, not so bad. You start to say, well, I mean, pastor, he is so cute. He is so good looking. I'm pastor, he has got game. I mean, the pickup lines for days. I mean, when we met, he asked me if I was religious, and I said, why? He said, because you're an answer to all my prayers. <laughs> but pa- he's so spiritual, pastor, so spiritual. The problem is good looks and charm are superficial, and they fade very, very quickly. Married. 
Missionary dating rarely works. I'm not going to say never, but it rarely works. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness? And you got this has to come from within because there's going to come a day when that person makes you mad or frustrated or you just don't know anymore. And if that desire is not a desire from the inside, then the desire that you have or they have will pull you or them out of church. You really are stuck. Why? Because we're going to work this thing out in covenants. And the challenge is, if you don't work it out now with this one, you'll have to work it out with the next one. And statistics actually show you won't. And so it's like, no, I'm not, I, I don't need to, I, I told Phyllis and I were talking, she was like, quality that we need, that's a characteristics. My security is in Christ. Have you ever dated someone that was insecure? How do I look? This constantly where you at and who you text. Well, it's healthy. They'll settle for less. They'll do things that they wouldn't have normally done just to get filled up. For a moment, we get this idea from Hollywood, right? I mean, come on. I mean, no. We you watch any kind of a movie at all? Anybody watch the the Notebook? You got Noah. Look at what he tells her. No matter what happens to us, every day with you is the best day of my life. <laughs> every day. No, no. There are some days I don't even like you. I love you. But we're not talking right now. So in a relationship, you're, you're thinking, well, if he doesn't think that and feel that, then it's me. Some of the youngers, you don't know what I'm talking about. You got you complete. No, 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 no. Ain't nobody can complete you but in Christ. If you're feeling incomplete, it's because you've stepped out, stepped away. You've not allowed Christ to fill you if you're not really married. You know, something, well, wait till you get married, you know. Insecure while you're dating, listen, you will end up compromising. You're going to compromise what? Your values. Makes you feel good about yourself with where you're at right then and right there. Ladies, can I just tell you this? You don't have to trade your body. You don't have to trade your body for love. If you do, you're looking for love in all the wrong places. For and settle for less, but write this down. Secure people. For and settle for less, but write this down. Secure people. They need less and expect more. When you know who you are in Christ, as I'm a daughter of the king, I'm a son of the king, and I don't come cheap, and I don't do tricks. Come on, somebody. I'm a man or a woman, and I'm going to live the life God's called me to live. can't believe he said that. Well, we watch what we watch on TV. You. You come to church and you got all these other things, but you're secretly, unknowingly sabotaging yourself and it's coming from within the devil to credit, but he didn't do anything. But when you know, when you walk, you have a healthy expectation of what your spouse, and that's the challenge in a lot of where I counsel people, the expectation is unrealistic because you're not trying to get them to do something, you're trying to get them to feel something. The funny thing, we'll find you in the club, I'll find you at happy hour, but when we start dating, hey, we're going to settle down and we're going to build a great, great life together. You know, it's like, woo, 
No, no, I need you to know, write this down. You cannot build a life of righteousness on a foundation of sin. Oh, but you know, now we're going to pursue Jesus. That's cool. Awesome, and I'm really glad. But now you got to go to work because you cannot just forego the building of the foundation. So now you got to dismantle these old habits, this old character, this old pattern of thinking and living. And now the problem is you're married trying to do it. Anybody ever done that? It's like, oh, this is really hard. It's really difficult. That's why I'm saying if you're single, you can dismantle it. And let me tell you this, your character flaw, your bankruptcy as a single person has a much less impact as a single person than it does as a married man or woman. The collateral damage is less. Now, can God rebuild it? Absolutely. Can God restore? Absolutely. But my prayer that as a single person, you recognize marriage doesn't fix me. It only amplifies the way it finds me. I love how Andy Stanley, he says it like this, become the type of person, the person you're looking for is looking for. See, you want someone who got character, won't cheat on you, they're going to be a good dad, they're going to provide, they're going to, I mean, all the things, they go to church, but the problem is you're not the kind of person that that person is looking for. Well, I, Pastor, you're meddling. No, I'm teaching. That unreal expectation. Oh, come on. No, no, be the person that that person would say when they find you, you're the one I'm looking for. I mean, think about fishing. Any guys ever go fishing? You know, my son loves to fish. And it's interesting when you go fishing that based on whatever bait you have really determines the kind of fish that you're going to catch. Well, the same, isn't the same true with relationships? Ladies, whatever bait you use to get that man is going to determine the kind of man you catch. Men, whatever kind of bait you use, it's going to determine whatever woman you catch. And so, man, I want to use the bait of moral integrity, character. You know, I heard someone say the other day, I was, I remember what it was, and they said, what, what do you find attractive in a woman? And it was a, it was a popular figure, and it was very fascinating. He said, you know what's very, very attractive? Modesty. He said, because you don't see it anymore. And I thought, wow, isn't that fascinating that even the world, this guy's not even, I don't know that they're a profession, but recognizing that, man, that is attractive because that's the kind of person I'd want to spend my life with. The best indicator of where someone is headed is where they've been. You want to look at a person's life and evaluate the character and the moral aptitude of what they have lived their life with. Like, what kind of a life have you lived? I find it fascinating that banks understand the power of evaluating past history better than we do. You think about you walk into a bank. You dressed in a $3,000 suit and you got your nice little Rolex watch on and pulled up in a rented red Walk up to the banker and you say, hey, I'd like to take out a loan. Banker's like, cool, come on over here. He's looking at you. Man, you look nice, great, come on. Well, first, before we do that, let's pull your credit report. 
Oh, you don't need to do all that. Can't you see how nice I'm dressed and the Rolex that I'm wearing and the car that I pulled up in? He's like, that's amazing. Based on what you look like, this credit report should be no problem at all. And they're going to pull the credit report. Why is he pulling the report? Because your past behavior is the best indicator of your future behavior. And if you weren't faithful to pay back what you borrowed, then that's a character flaw. Something has happened. Now, I know there's extreme circumstances. Anyway, did you take out too much money? Are you, did you not do what you said you were going to do? And so he's evaluating the past. He's not just evaluating the way you look. The way you talk, he's not even evaluating your persona. He is evaluating your track record. Wonder how much time and energy and effort into track record of the people that we're inviting into our life. And when you look at that and you say, man, What's the history of the way you live? And then look at and evaluate the history of the way I have lived. It absolutely indicates future behavior. I find it heartbreaking. People that love God passionately and marry someone morally bankrupt. And it's because we're embracing a message from society about love at first sight. The way they make you feel. Can we just take a step back and evaluate how have you lived? What decisions have you made? So how do we know if you've got strong moral character? I love 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It's one of my favorite passages. As a teenager, I would just pray this to God and speak it because Timothy is talking about young people setting an example for the believers, singles setting an example for the believers, married folks setting an example for the believers. What, what, what are you doing? You're setting an example. There's moral character in what? Here's the five ways you can evaluate your life. Number one, in your speech, your conduct, your love, your faith, and in your purity. So if you want to see your moral character, are you wholly devoted to Jesus in what you say? Look, if you cannot control the words that come out of your mouth as a single person, how many know you're not going to probably control them as a person? If you cannot control your lust and sexual desires as a single person, Listen, just saying I do and coming up to the altar does not build the moral food. And now, as I said, I do. And I just want to caution guys and girls. It used to be they just guys, guys and girls. If you're addicted to pornography before you're married, pornography after you're married. Oh, Pastor, you don't say the person I'm marrying, they said they'd be hot and ready. Look, this ain't no little Caesars. Come on, somebody. That's all I'm talking about. Come on. I thought I'd get a better amen from the women. It ain't no little Caesars. I know what I said, but 23 years of marriage, it takes a little bit of work. 
Yeah, yeah. And so here's the problem. You'll go in and say, but you don't know her. Okay. Okay. And then when that doesn't happen like you thought, you go back to the addiction. And here's the problem with that. You bypass covenant relationship to get your need. You'll never go back. Why? Because this pornography requires nothing to get gratified. He does what you want, when you want, how you want it done. Say nothing, do nothing. And you could just turn her on and off anytime you want. Same thing. I'm telling you. And so if I, if I get that, why do I got to go to this? It's a great sabotage of marriage. Why? Because you were morally bankrupt before you got married and someone lied to you and said it would change. It doesn't change. I know I'm speaking directly. Listen, we got nine-year-olds addicted to pornography. I think it's going to be okay. I know. I've counseled them. Families don't know what to do. My girl's addicted to pornography. Nine years old. And I'm just telling you, marriage doesn't fix it. You've got to have moral character moral character and listen if you find yourself married and this is a challenge listen there's hope for you god is a merciful god he is a great god he is a forgiving god and i'm telling you what you're in a safe place where you can heal where you can get better where you can build your character and i am telling you there is deliverance and the power of god to live a pure and holy life where your needs are met by your spouse and I want to encourage, I'm going to speak to men. Get this right. Men, get this right. Break that addiction off of your life. Stats show that most come to church exactly, I would say 70, 80% are addicted to porn. I don't know. It's true. Asking God, give us a church full of holy men that are set apart. Be their families well. For your kids, for your daughters. I love what this quote says. Look at this quote. It's, it's unknown who said it. Men of genius are admired. Men of wealth are envied. Men of power are feared. But men of character are trusted. What about you? I just won't be trusted. I want somebody to say, that's my pastor. I want my wife to say, that's my husband. I want my children to say, that's my dad. And he may not get everything right, but I trust that man. Men, let's get this right. Let's have strong character. Here's the third and final thing. Planted in community. What's a quality you need? You need to be planted in community. When I meet with couples that are looking to get married, I often look at the friendships they have in their life. Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Who are you spending time with? Who are you doing life with? Who are you connecting with? Who are you learning from? It's important that you have the right people in your life as you not only get married, but even as you are married. In fact, write this down. The strength of your community will shape the quality of your marriage. Whatever community, the strength of it, wherever you're at, whoever's feeding into your life, and think about it, marriages have been wrecked because they're struggling and they go to someone and the the advice is not fight for your marriage, fight for your family, fight for your destiny. The advice is, hey, you ought to leave him. Not even that anything happened. I mean, I, well, you ought to be happy, and clearly he don't make you happy. I don't see anywhere in the Bible. Look, if you're an unbeliever, I'm not talking to you. But as a believer, I don't see anywhere in the Bible God said he is looking to fulfill your happiness. What I see is he's looking to make you more like him. 
And that is really tough. Right. Woo! You mean lay down? Absolutely. Yeah. And so you got to go to people that say, hey, I know it's tough, but God has called you. There is greater than. Ask God for grace, forgive. They're constantly looking back and pushing you towards restoration, not division. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Find a community, find a church, find a place where people are following Jesus. Don't be like the son whose mom walked into his bedroom on a Sunday morning and she said, son, it's time to go to church. And turned over, I don't want to go. And she said, why not? He said, I'll give you two reasons. He said, number one, I don't like those people. And number two, those people don't like me. She said, okay give you two better reasons to get up out of bed and to get your butt to church. The first one is you're a 59-year-old man. <laughs> the second one is you're the pastor. <laughs> Don't go to that church, but come to this church. Come to another life-giving church. Build a community, friends and mentors. <laughs> Look, you got people in your that can lead you in the right direction when you feel a little bit lost. You got to have people in your life, listen to me on this, that tell you what you don't want to hear. I can't tell you how many times my life has literally been saved. I have friends who love me enough to tell me the truth. That's not right. I wouldn't do that. Nope, don't do that. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm like, are you sure? No, you're wrong. And they would say it and I'd be mad. And then I go back and ponder and say, man, I'm really grateful that you did that because it caused me to ponder, take a few steps back. And because you love me enough, it actually changed the direction of my life. That's what Proverbs 13, 20 says. Walk with the wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Some of you hanging out with fools, Wondering why you, you, you're not going anywhere. You're, you're hanging out with people that, that have no desire to live for God. And then you wonder why your life is shipwrecked. Why you're morally bankrupt. Stop hanging out with fools. I'm telling you, there are some idiots out there. None of them in here, I'm sure of that. But they're out there somewhere. And you have to remember this. People don't really care about you out in that world. There's a few, but there is a church of believers that love you, that care about you, people that are around you, and you need to get around wise so that you become wise. Write this down. The life you have is the result of who you're with. So evaluate yourself. Just think about this. Evaluate. Where am I? Where's my marriage? What's, what's that look like? You know, my mom and dad got this right. I remember growing up, and I didn't share this. First, you know, I just remember growing up and being frustrated. Like my mom wouldn't let us go to parties, but she let us go to church. I said, "Oh, he's like, you go to church." Steve was actually, he'd gone on a mission trip, which is pretty fascinating. We were 15, 16, and uh, he went, uh, I think it was Honduras. 
he came back, he became like the president of our Bible club and the vice president of student body and he'd carry his Bible and man, I was smoking and running from God and anything but God. And I just, my mom never let me go to people's places, which is why my story with Fishing with Johnny was so funny to me because it's the one place let me go. But the value of the protection today as an adult, I look at it and I say, wow, you, what you were doing, you, the church wasn't perfect, but they were trying. People were focused on trying to live for God. And I'm just telling you, the world is getting darker. The church has to get and you got to guard the relationships. you got to fight for them. Fight for them. Some of you need to break off old relationships. Even if you're like, we're married now. Yeah, but those friends give you bad advice. And you wonder why there's confusion in your life. It's because you're asking people that are not leading you back to restoration and leading you back to Jesus. And you keep going to the people that God doesn't want you to go to. you got to just stop. And I just want us to really fight for the relationships of our kids, of ourselves, of our marriages. And I want to encourage you, get involved. Go to next steps. Why? Because you get to discover how God created you. and Join a serve team. Small group. He, he, what I would tell you, especially all, all the single people, listen to me. If you find yourself, and some of this is what you're struggling with, it's like, you know, i got to make a hard relationship choice and maybe somebody I need to break up with or maybe you're struggling with maybe maybe you find yourself with moral bankruptcy there's areas of your life it's like man I don't have the character that I need or here's what I want to challenge you take your single did you know this singleness is a gift it really is when I was single it was hard to see because I was always trying to find someone Paul talks about it as a gift. Here's what I do. Say, God, for the next 12 months, for one year, I'm going to go all in with you. I'm going to spend all my time with you. I'm going to pray. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to go out to a small group with people that are my age pursuing you. I'm going to start singing. And you just going all in. What will happen is you'll begin to see God develop in your life, moral character in your life, that you're looking at the right time, God will bring it. Because what will happen is you're pursuing God, and the person that God is preparing is pursuing God, and there's going to come a day where you meet, and it's going to be like, wow, there it is. But it happens as we're focused on God, and I just want to encourage you to do that so that ultimately we would fulfill Psalm 34. 3. This is the ultimate fulfillment, that we glorify God together that we exalt him together. That's what a marriage is all about. Listen, marriage is not your purpose in life. Glorifying God is. And if you'll learn that as you're single, when you're married, it'll be easy. Not perfect, but it's like, hey, we're, we're focused on this. We're building this together. Father, we thank you for what you're doing. Do what only you can do. God, we ask you, move in a supernatural way. Fill the hearts of every person that's in this place. Give them your grace. Give them your strength.